When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I remember going to Bourneville and training on the hockey pitches there. So I thought, well, just, I don't know, as a, if you like, an omen or something like that, we'll do that. I remember some Tom Truce said before that as well, performance as well, but the week leading up to that was this, OK, forget all that now. You know, this is, this is a game. I think that's when the first real surprise came when, when I announced to the team that uh, Graham Fenton was going to play in midfield. So you can do what you need to be doing prepared for the game. Yeah. Who comes on the coach? Stan Boardman. <laughs> Dean Sanders tells this slightly different to me. He, Dean Sanders said, I rubbished every one of their players with, I think it was the possible exception of that. And I, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, I can't describe the feeling at yeah, that final whistle. And it's quite strange as well, because I think, you know, going three went up and things only two or three minutes to go, and you still think that you can lose the game. It's the only time I was nervous. A free kick that didn't quite work out the way we planned it, but it, in the end, Dahlia managed to shin it in. It should have been a lot more slicker than it was, but the end result was the same. I'm not joking myself, but I was drunk on the atmosphere as well. I mean, it's fantastic, yeah. I think, I tell the lie, I think I drank from the cup there. I think I was probably drunk with the one sip of champagne I had. It didn't dawn on us till after that they would have won the treble. You know, they'd have been the first team ever to have won the domestic treble. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. We've been shocking, and you know, and, and yes, your confidence was low. Um, you know, we've been going to play Man United the following week in a cup game as well, and all that goes with it as well. They're going for the treble. Um, it, it was difficult to say the least, especially the games before, because our form was so poor. I remember some. Tom Truce said before that as well, performance as well, but the week leading up to that was this, okay, forget all that now, you know, this is, this is a game. I think there was no pressure because of that known full well that, you know, we, we weren't expected to win that game. Well, I'll tell you what we did, because when I was a kid, as a young player at the Villa, they were in the final against, ironically enough, Manchester, Manchester United, and I remember them going to Bourneville and training on the hockey pitches there. So I thought, well, just, I don't know, as a if you like, an omen or something like we'll do that. Because don't forget the pitches, by the way, in those days. I mean, I look at pitches today, and oh, beautiful. In those days, then, of mud, and I remember Doug painting, painting the mud at, um, or he didn't, but authorised it at uh, Villa Park, and players coming off covered looking like Shrek and all sorts. But um, So we went there and trained, because Wembley was always the epitome. The surface you saw playing at Wembley is great. So we went there and did a, two, a couple of days on, and we used the hockey pitches, which were a fast surface, just to get the feel of playing, getting back on grass again, if you like. On the Friday, I took the boys and the wives into London, because I'd done this at Sheffield, the same thing. 
And we went to an Italian restaurant, a mate of mine. Not a party, but they had a meal and a couple of glasses of wine and whatever. We stopped in a hotel uh, with our wives and girlfriends, a couple of glasses of wine. It was, it was, it was, it was, there was no problem with that at all. Even that build up there was completely different, you know, in terms of and being, being able to uh, be, with your, be, uh, be with your loved ones at a particular yeah, yeah. time as well. Kind of made things quite relaxed as well, you know yeah. what I mean? And you could sort things out. You, 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 know, you, you, you know, your family's been well looked after. And then I, on the Saturday morning, I moved the team out of London, out to uh, Marlow, and we trained at uh, Bisham Abbey on the Saturday morning. I think that's when the first real surprise came, when, when I announced to the team that uh, Graham Fenton was going to play in midfield, which I think startled uh, a few th Raise a few eyebrows, certainly. We were surprised at because we saw a big one. We obviously have train sessions and team pattern of playing. He was in there as well, and we had an inkling he was going to be playing. But and we were surprised because they had household names there. Not surprised he was playing because he's no good because he's a bloody good player. In effect, Ray Outen, Dwight York, who never got there. I think Steve Froggett there. I'm just saying his name. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of that now, and and um, uh, just just. Top of my head, who who were on the bench were not even in the squad at the time. Uh, young Graham Fenton to come in and to play as well as he did as well and kick on from there was fantastic. Great ability, as I said, but a big surprise even to us. It's about an hour run from Marlow to Wembley, and I got I got a pal of mine, Stan Boardman, to come along and join us, come on the coach and lighten the mood if you like, which he, he did very very well. In fact. He, he actually got in the dressing room because Stan, was, Stan in his youth, had been a useful Liverpool reserve player and he got a trick flicking it around the back of his leg and he got all the lads at it in the dressing room trying to do it. None, not even the likes of Yorkie and that could do it. So that, that lightened the mood a little bit. It's quite funny actually because um, uh, we've got on the team coach as well and we, we sat on our places. Remember it's big cup final, get your heads right, you know, people with headphones on and everything else. You can do what you need to be doing, prepare for the game. Yeah. Who comes on the coach? Yeah. Stan Boardman yeah. on the coach. You know, some people like to be left alone, you know, as well. So it could yes. be the other way. Some people like, you might be on his own. But looking around and everything else, if you looking around and see everyone has taken to it, if that makes sense. You know, even the camaraderie. Yeah, I mean, I like to be nice and quiet. Yeah. So for me, it was quite quite strange soon. He said nothing wrong with it. In the end, it was great. I was there one first one listening, you know, laugh, having a laugh and a joke as it was. The time hits him most as well. He's on the coach. Yeah. It's a, it's a time you think about the game too yeah. much. That's gone. Yeah. That's taken away from you. So that you, you're actually okay. You're going out in the pitch beforehand to have a look, soaking atmosphere. And that was actually okay in yeah. terms of there's no, yeah, there's no problem with that as well. Yeah. And I think the one before is when the whistle just goes and you got those little two minutes before yeah. to yourself. You had that bit of uh, tension, that bit of nerves, that bit of apprehension going into the game. And that's all I had that particular game. And once the game kicked off, it was perfectly fine and, if it, and the way the game went and everything else it was you know um, scoring particularly early as well and performing the way we did as well it, it just feels with more confidence going into the game a free kick that didn't quite work out the way we planned it but it, in the end Dahlia managed to shin it in it should have been a lot more slicker than it was but the, the end result was the same then we got another one second half from a set play they got back in Buzzy had made Buzzy made three or four great saves I remember him making I mean, to Mark Bosnich at Aston Villa is without a shadow of doubt the best goalie I've ever seen. And I remember him making a save, I think it was from Brian McClare, which would have put them back in with a shout. Although we were the better side um, throughout virtually, uh, they didn't really, 
you always, you always worry about a team or wonder about a team with as many good players as they had. Um, the team that Fergie has always said was his most powerful side. Um, but uh, then they got back to two and I think Sparky got the goal, I think it was. I think Mark Hughes scored for him. And then with the last kick of the match, unfortunately, and we were shouting at the referee not to send him off. Mm. Kinchelski's handled on the line. Mm. That, was, that was from Tony Daly, wasn't it? Yeah, TD, TD hit the shot. Um, Dino tucked it away and we decided to have... All, all, everything broke loose after that. I think it was really just not to sit back at all, but have a, have a go at them at, 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 offensively, you know, because you know, strongly, if you sit back, they'll just, they'll just pin you down as well. They, they'll, they'll just, they'll just wear you down eventually. So I think it was really on the more on the offensive side as well, especially I think as well you had myself, uh, Day and Dean Saunders at the top, and Graham French just sitting in that hole as well. And he was that ability of him to get on the ball, knowing full well that he can break the break the lines. No one knew about him. No, that was exactly. his that was his strengths. Yeah. It was so effective and made nice at that time. It took him 20, 25 minutes, half an hour, the first half, to realise that and you know, get to grips with it. And then by that time, you know, it, it, you know, we were well into the game, full of confidence and and, and looking to go on and win the game. Yeah. Dalian was rapid. Tony was rapid. Dino was quick. You know, and we'd said to Dino before the game, you'll play up the middle on your own. You might not get much support, but that's that's by the by. If you you keep running until you drop, and then we'll we'll change it. I don't know what we'd have changed it with, but Dean <laughs> <laughs> Sanders tells this slightly different to me. Dean Sanders said I rubbished every one of their players with. I think it was the possible exception of Tats, and yeah. I, I didn't. In goals, Les Sealy drops everything, lads. T rebounds. Paul Parker, distribution's not very good. Gives it away every time he gets it. Let him have it. He'll give it back to us. Dennis Irwin, Mr. Mr. Average. He's all right. He's oh, not no. bad. Yeah, but he's trying to convince us, bear in mind. Not bad. He's not bad. Pallister and Bruce, pedestrian. Midfield, Ince and Keane. Let's be honest, lads. They can pass. They can run. They can tackle. They can they can strike a ball. They can, they can do most things. But what they don't realise is, I've had a look at the pitch earlier. The grass is too long for them two today. Don't worry about that. They like dribbling with it. The grass won't suit them. <laughs> and the wide areas, Kanchelskis on the right, Giggs on the left. Steve Staunton, where are you? Yeah, he said, Kanchelskis, Steve, catch pigeons. He's that quick. But he starts making it up now, you can tell. Get him inside. On the left, let's be honest, there's no way around this one. Ryan Giggs, given time and space, he can destroy anybody. So don't give him any. <laughs> so, so at the bottom of the page, we're all nudging each other, going, "Here we go. How is he going to get round this one?" And up the front, Eric Cantona and Mark Hughes. And he walked away from the board. He went, and that's their team, lads. <laughs> we can beat these, can't we? What I did do, and what I vividly remember, just just to lighten the mood as they're all going out. I always remember saying, "Hey, by the way, before you think about that lot." Anybody know what the capital of Ecuador is? And I always remember Dino as a right character coming past me going, what are you on about? I said, by the way, it's Keto. Get on with it. <laughs> Listen, I remember just going flat on the floor and just thinking, thinking, wow. I mean, I can't describe the feeling at that final whistle. And it's quite strange as well, because I think, you know, going three and up and things only two or three minutes to go, and you still think that you could lose the game. It's the only time I was nervous. Even in 3-1, two minutes to go, three minutes to go, and you still think, that was the only time I was actually thinking, and I think as well, the pressure hit you. Geez, you know, we can, we're going to lose this, so we, they're going to score another goal and another one, yeah. And then you get these 
started to feel like their tension. But as soon as the final whistle gone, it's flat my feet and that was me done ecstasy. All I remember is just celebrating with the fans, the fans coming in, in as well. And I remember going up to the stands as well, getting the scarves and the hats from the, and the, Villa, the Villa fans as well. And it was, honestly, the atmosphere was electric. It was awesome. I mean, in all fairness, it, it didn't dawn on us till after that they would have won the triple. You know, the first team ever to have won the domestic treble. I'm not drinking myself, but I was, I was drunk on the atmosphere as well. I mean, it's fantastic, yeah. I think, I tell the lie, I did, I think I drank from the cup there. I think I was probably drunk with the one sip of champagne I had. But um, but I remember even afterwards as well, celebrating, having, having your family there as well. Um, I think we had to get back to Birmingham for 9.30, I think. So we had a 7.30 or 8 o'clock leave. I can't remember it was as well. I think I didn't get back bed till 6, 6.30. It was an unusual situation, really. That that was, is it the, yeah, was it the end of February? Or, I'm trying to think it was early March or the end of February yeah. when we played it. So whatever happens, we're in Europe. We're not going to win the league. We're going to, I think we finished 10th in tenth, the end yeah. and 9th, 10th, something like that. But I, I said, and I told the chairman, I said, what we got now, we've got a unique position where I can put players in the team now and give them an extended, younger players, extended run without any real pressures. All right, we might drop a league place or two or something like that. But the likes of Hugo, I told Hugo, now you'll play nearly every game till the end of the season. Um, the two German boys I put in, Bright Cruz and Beinlich, give them a look at it. Yorkie played a lot of games after that. In the end, people, particularly Hugo, he benefited the most mm -hmm. because the following season, he virtually became a regular and was for a few years later. You know, we could almost go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. They were a better side than us, or had better players, but if they if they were on their top and we were, we would win. When we were in front in the game, we they hadn't caused us anything like... As I say, there had a couple of situations that Buzzy made. He made one worldie, I think it was, off McClare. Mm. But they hadn't really... They hadn't really threatened us that much. So it wasn't as if we were constantly at a sort of, oh, here they come again, here they come again. Final word for yourself, yeah. straight to the camera, yeah. what's your message to the players? Yeah, I say to the players, uh, go out, uh, enjoy the day, and if you produce anything that I know you can do, you know, then uh, we'll come back uh, with winners' medals. I hope we wish you all the best and, and success with that. Go out and go out with a view to win. Go to Wembley to win. I know people say, you know, it's a day out. It's not a day out, it's a day of glory if you win. If you don't win and you give your best, you can't do anything more. They have a chance. It's a fighting chance, and that's, that's got to be the operative word. But you, at Wembley, you never know. There's been upsets. I do hope that they make it very, very attritional. That's going to be, to me, their best way of, uh, of getting a result. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa. Yeah.